Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Really was such a moment for me, purging all this old stuff that I just so, I just did not identify anymore with, or it just made me feel not me. And it made me feel uncomfortable or like confused, I guess, like things, putting them on and just being like, I don't even understand what I was thinking and just bringing in the new. And I really did rediscover my own style. That was my, my big moment for reinvention, basically. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we're going to talk about divorce as the mother of reinvention with our friend, stylist, and now author, Alyssa Deneen. So Alyssa, first, let me just say thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So nice to see you again. I love saying author, and I just want to point that out because last time you were on the show, the book was an idea, mm -hmm. and now it's out. Your baby yeah. is out in the world. It's it called um, The Art of Online Dating, Style Your Most Authentic Self, and Cultivate a Mindful Dating Life. It's beautiful, too, for everyone who's looking on the, on the video or in the picture. So have you been Thank having you. fun launching your book? Yes, it's been so fun, busy, but so fun. Lots of podcasts and interviews, and it's been really, really fun. Well, I wanted to make sure I reached out just a little while ago because I knew the book was out and I'm like, I, you have been on the podcast before. You are one of our good friends and you were on an episode back. It was actually quite some time ago. It was episode 134. We're at 211 that went out today. So it's been, it's been some yeah. time. I do urge people to go listen to that episode. It's called Style Your Profile and Hit Refresh After Divorce with super stylist Alyssa the Deneen. So that's a wonderful episode. I'll link to it in the show notes. But 
We are here taping this episode on the eve of a new year for everyone and kind of a momentous new year, right? We have been through a lot for the past couple of years. Um, and going into 2022, I just I told you before we started taping, I love this idea of reinvention, of taking this this opportunity to recreate yourself or to at least sit down and think about you know what you want to put forth in the world as you go into a new year whether it be after divorce or not so that's what you and i are going to focus on mm -hmm. there are many tips in the book that we'll be hitting um on but i first i just wanted to start with because you have such a amazing back story of having been an editor and a stylist and now a dating expert for years in New York City, what what brought you to the point where you wanted to put it all down in a book? When I started my business after online dating and seeing that there was a a need oh, yeah. <laughs> um, for for people to have you know to be styled for their profile, I started style my profile, and then I had an article written about um, style my profile in, New in the New York Times. And from there, um, I had an agent reach out to me and say, would you want to put all this into a book? Basically, like your experience, your client's experience, you know, working on your profile, online dating after divorce, um, rediscovery, kind of that whole thing. So basically, it was all the things that I was really excited about and had already been journaling slash, you know, sort of writing a book in a way myself, because I was hoping that I would do that at some point, not really thinking that I wasn't really thinking when it would happen or how, but, you know, it was already an idea. And so I was like, um, yeah, absolutely. It's already sort of been a plan and this is amazing. So it just evolved from there and I got an offer from HarperCollins and it was just, it all happened. Yeah. So it was very exciting. And um, it was, it was a way to share my experience, my client's experience and think of it as, as a guidebook for anybody who's getting into the online dating scene, actually, whether you're new or you've been doing it and just are kind of in a rut, you know, it's like just needing to someone to kind of like be, have feel encouraged and like this, this actually can work. And I think so many people can fall into that mindset of like, this isn't working for me. I've been doing it for so long. It's never going to work. And, and we all do that. But, you know, my, my whole idea is that it's like, if you're mindful about it and you actually really set intentions and, and, you know, you're really clear about what you want, it can work for you. So it's like kind of a way for people to sort of bypass a lot of the, the learning curve of online dating and just get to the part where you can actually meet somebody. <laughs> Like skip over all that head trash that we go yeah. through yes. as we put ourselves out there. And I told you, I just recently, um, a few days ago, had a dinner with a bunch of female friends and one of them happens to be going into the divorce process, but it's been a long time coming. They've been separated for quite some time. So she's in that mindset of, hey, I'm facing online dating. This is coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's also facing a whole brand new life. And so yeah. the dating part of it seems like this, almost like a stone that's going to tip it over into too much, into overwhelm. Yes. So I told yes. her about your book, actually. I'm yeah. like, 
it's going to break it down for you. Right. Exactly. And that's so true. It is like that one more thing that people are like, oh God, I can't even, I can't even go there. I can't even think about that. And I, I think like, you know, a lot of people, myself included, you kind of just think, oh, it's just going to happen naturally for me. I'm just going to, someone's going to introduce me. I'm going to be at a party. I'm going to meet someone at work, whatever it is in your, you know, your idea of what this fantasy is going to look like. And, you know, and that does happen. I'm not saying that pe meeting people in real life doesn't happen anymore, but, you know, I do, uh, I do say to people like, that's fine. If you really have, you know, I have this clear idea, you're going to meet someone in real life. That's amazing. But it doesn't hurt to also have a dating profile up you know, and, and just to be doing that as well. Like, you know, why not hit it from all angles? Exactly. <laughs> I, you know, why not throw all that spaghetti at the wall? And <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we're all resistant to it um, to some degree. And even I was actually really excited to get out there and date, but I was still like online dating. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, and I think that's obviously a really common feeling. Yeah. I, you know, one thing I have to say, I think it's hysterical that we in the world we live in today say meet someone in real life. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> like it's such, it's such a weird like, thing. Uh, oh my God. Right? That, <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It's true. And the vast majority of people do meet someone on a dating app. I do want everyone to know you met mm -hmm. your you know, boyfriend who of, of many years now. Yeah. Yeah. On, I think it was Tinder. Almost five wasn't years. It? We met on five Tinder. Years. Yeah. And we're, I mean, we're not getting married, but that, that's fine. It's like, we decided that's the way we wanted to live our lives. Um, but we're definitely partners forever. And, um, but yeah, it was, it totally worked for me. And it's funny. I actually just ran into a, a friend yesterday who I knew was divorced and she just met somebody online too recently. Well, it's been like, like a year, but, um, so I was like, oh my gosh, now I have to interview you too, because I love hearing a, a success story. It's like, it really does work. And I think people hear so many horror stories about online dating from the media and social media and friends of friends or whatever. And that's what I tell people is like, that's just because those are the fun stories. Like those are the interesting and funny or crazy things to, to talk about, but there's plenty of, you know, just mediocre or, you know, fine dates, as I say, like yeah. one fine date. It's like, there's plenty of those. So <laughs> it's not all just craziness. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, I, I think that's the something for everyone to keep in mind, right? Like this is this is something that you are going to put yourself out there and there may be fine dates. There mm -hmm. may be dates that you're going to tell as the fun story 10 years mm -hmm. from now or five mm -hmm. years from now or whenever to mm -hmm. your grandchildren. But hopefully there's also going to be that date or those dates where, you know, that that spark flies or that the things click. But it exactly. all starts like your book starts. I have to tell you. So I, I read the book. My listeners know, uh, you know, when I have an author on, I want to read the book because I want to know and I want to ask questions about what's in here. And I have to say, uh, it, when I thought about what we could talk about, I mean, it's it's a little book, but it's full of information. So there's no way unless we were going to talk here for about eight hours, <laughs> could we get through it all. But the, the one of the things that really jumped out at me, and I think as we sit here in this world, um, as we're about to launch into a new year, your first chapter is called Rediscover Your Style and Yourself. And there's an element here of that reinvention that I mm -hmm. mentioned at the open. And 
you know, whether it be your phrase in the book is divorce is the mother of reinvention. And, oh God, I love that because I always say divorce is an opportunity and, mm. you know, now it's an opportunity to reinvent yourself. And I love that you talk in the book though, about staring into your new closet after you had just unpacked right after your divorce and everything. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a really similar experience. Um, for some reason, my clothes and my stuff that carried over from my marriage into my new single abode mm -hmm. really evoked an emotional response. So I wondered if you could share that story and that, because I assume that's why yeah. you started the book that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear your story too, because I think that is people don't really talk much about that part of it because there's so much going on that it's like, you know, you don't really think about this little part of, you know, your wardrobe, but to me, you know, it really was like this, you know, microcosm of my previous 18 years of my life, which was basically like not really knowing who I was. And yep. so I remember just standing there thinking, okay, well, I'm a mom, I'm a single mom. I'm now, you know, I'm a dating mom. And, you know, now I'm actually uh, uh, like having a full-time career mom, which I, you know, previously was sort of just working part-time. It was like, nothing felt, nothing was driving anymore. You know, it was like, I was looking at everything. Like, I, I don't even know who this person is. Like, who is this person? <laughs> because I can't tell. <laughs> so definitely no one else could tell, I'm sure. Um, so I had my, my, one of my very close friends come over, who's a stylist. And I was like, you need to help me. Cause I, you know, here I am a stylist but I was like, I need help. I need to like find out who the heck I am now. I don't even know. So we went through, I'm not kidding. We went through every single item in my closet and it was like, it just, it was so, I mean, and you know, I say this in the book too. I mean, obviously the symbolism of that, all of that is just enormous and, you know, kind of cliche, but it really was such a moment for me. It was like purging all this old stuff that I just, so I just did not identify anymore with, or it just made me feel not me. And it made me feel uncomfortable or like, you know, what, in whatever way, just confused, I guess, so like things yeah. putting them on and just being like, I don't even understand what I was thinking, but you know, anyway, <laughs> just like purging all of that and just bringing in the new. And again, it was at the time I was on a very, very tight budget. So it wasn't very many things, but I made myself buy like five items. And those were the things that I felt like now this is who, this is where I feel really amazing. Like I walked out the door every day, you know, and just like rotating these few pieces and just feeling like a different person. And I really felt like I really did rediscover my own style, which is, you know, such a funny thing to say for someone in fashion, but um, anyway, so that was my, my big, my big moment for, you know, re reinvention basically. And I was right. like interviewing I, for jobs and, you know, like needed to present myself in, in a very confident way, which I wasn't, but I had to pretend like I was. <laughs> so part of that yeah. was like starting with my clothes, like what's going to make me feel really confident. Well, and it's, it's amazing how much our clothes and what we put on as a reflection of who we are can elevate our emotional state. Um, I just spent the weekend, I mentioned to you, um, our friend Gabrielle Hartley mm -hmm. was in town here in Chicago because in January she is doing a TEDx. And we went shopping for an outfit for her to wear for her first TEDx. Oh, and our goal was to get something that made her feel powerful and confident. Not that if you know Gab, 
powerful and confident yeah, are not she's big pretty issues confident, which is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that's so true. Like just feeling powerful and feeling empowered and feeling like you could get up there and really own it and, and, you know, speak in as an authority. It's, it is important. I totally, yeah, yeah I really hear that. It was trying on outfit after outfit. So I'm curious, I have to ask, what were the five pieces that you did buy? So I bought this pair of jeans that fit me so great. And I was like, yeah, I just felt so good in those jeans. I, I really wore them into the ground. <laughs> I remember a couple of years later, I was like, I think I need to retire these. <laughs> yeah, I wore them all the time. Every first date, first of all, you know, to work all the time. Um, but anyway, and then I bought, it was winter. So I bought like, actually, it was three new sweaters that I just felt really great in and were just cool. And it was just, you know, I just felt like, I don't know, for me, it was just things that I wouldn't have bought previously, but they felt, again, they felt like the new me. Um, so it was those three sweaters. And then I did bring, I did buy a dress too, um, which I, it was actually a skirt and a top that went together. And this was, this actually I talk about too, as my, um, my fantasy pitfall, which is like, in my mind, I was going to start going to all these cocktail parties. And this is where I was going to meet my new lover and, you know, yes. sail off into you know, the sunset. Over a flute of champagne at exactly. an art gallery. Yeah, right, right. Wearing my my new outfit, my cocktail outfit. Anyway, as I say, I, I that never happened. I never went to any cocktail parties. But anyway, so that that never got worn, but it's okay. It was, it, it made me feel good looking at it in my closet for a while. So <laughs> It's something for people to take away from this is, you know, you, you talk about that closet cleanse that you did with your friend. Um, I did it. So you, we were talking about my story. I did the same thing. I, I took every single thing that I had purchased during the time of my relationship and then my marriage. And I call it, this will tell you, I call it my trophy wife wardrobe. Um, oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. And post post divorce, I went back to work. I was now a partner in a law firm. I was not jetting off to these locations and doing things like I did with my ex-husband. And, and it was exactly what you just said. I didn't recognize the person who wore those clothes anymore. I didn't know who she was. I wasn't mm -hmm. even sure I liked her, by the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was an interesting. <laughs> and so wow. purging those clothes was really cathartic for me. Yeah. And starting to build almost that new capsule wardrobe. And I suspect a lot of people out there, how many of us, go and look in the closet and you pull something out and you honestly have not worn that outfit since your homecoming dance <laughs> or your first date with your second boyfriend or mm -hmm. to that one amazing Christmas party or gallery opening. All right. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah. So what do you tell people about, you know, and it's maybe the Marie Kondo thing, but I, I had, when I moved, I had to really downsize and, you know, I found it, I actually found it freeing to let things go. Same. Oh my gosh. I same. I went from this big house and honestly, I, it was one of those, I never felt comfortable there. Honestly, it was like too much. It was, didn't feel us. It didn't feel me. 
And when I downsized drastically, I moved into this two bedroom walk up, fourth floor walk up in, in, in the neighborhood that I really wanted to live in though. So that's all that mattered to me is like, I wanted to be close to my daughter's school and it was where a lot of my friends were. And so I didn't really care. It was like, I, I made it my own and I really downsized, but it felt so good. It was like all this stuff that I didn't need. And it was just like the core of who I was and like what I actually really needed. And it felt amazing. (laughs) I always tell people, you know, that that divorce is an opportunity. And part of that opportunity is to figure out who you are, to reconnect with actually Mm -hmm. what lights you up. And, you know, it's not just your clothes. We've been talking about clothes, but you just pointed out another element, which was your environment, your home Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. recreate or creating uh, reinventing a new, what a new home is and what home yeah. means to you. It didn't yeah. mean a big house anymore. It meant a two bedroom walk up in the neighborhood that you cared about. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I felt, I have to say, it's funny, even my daughters, we look back at that, that apartment really like in a really sort of nostalgic, romantic way, you know, even though it was like, we really over on top of each other, you know, especially as the kids got bigger and it was like, you know, we, we definitely were, it was getting smaller <laughs> and then, you know, and then I ended up moving in with, with my partner, but, but we look back on those days and it was actually really nice. Like it was just the three of us and we had all these new, you know, rituals that we started doing and like dinner time was really special. The three of us, it was like all these things that we started doing together that were just you know, just made us all like, we look back at those days so fondly, you know, and even though we were, I was struggling and, you know, struggling financially and all the things and, you know, starting this new job and new career. And, um, but there were so many moments that were so really beautiful too. And we've really, it's cute. They, they still look back on that and like, remember on president street when we, you know, it's just cute. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Hey, it's Kate Anthony over at the Divorce Survival Guide. Susan said it would be okay to pop in and talk to you really quickly about my new program, the Divorce Survival Program. See what I did there? Look, once you've decided to get a divorce, you may feel a sense of relief. The decision is finally made. But at the same time, you're likely feeling a sense of foreboding of what's ahead. There's a huge mountain left to climb, and if you've never gotten divorced before, especially divorced with kids, there's a lot that you don't know. You need a deep dive into the divorce process, STAT. That's why you're listening to this podcast right now. That's also why I created the Divorce Survival Program. In the Divorce Survival Program, you'll learn how to have the most difficult conversations of your life with your husband, your children, friends, families, and even nosy neighbors. You'll learn how to set healthy boundaries in high and low conflict divorces. You'll learn how the legal and financial processes really work whether you should or can seek support, and you'll be taken through the process of emotional healing. And of course, you'll learn how to start dating on the other side. In this one-of-its-kind program, I bring together top experts from around the country, including the amazing Susan Guthrie, who share their wisdom in exclusive interviews not available anywhere else. 
And of course, there are over 20 videos in which I speak directly to you, answering your most pressing questions. The Divorce Survival Program is a self-paced online program available for purchase now at divorcesurvivalprogram.com. And if you use the code SUSAN, you'll get $50 off the already super low price now through the end of the year. Again, that's divorcesurvivalprogram.com and use the code SUSAN when you check out. And now back to Susan's amazing episode. Stay tuned for more from my visit with Alyssa Deneen talking about her new book and how to reinvent yourself after divorce. The gratitude is huge. And that's something that I never did previously, but I started doing and it was so helpful. Those little things add up. <laughs> and, you know, and of course there's like the looming bigger things that are, you know, hard during a divorce. But I think if you can just really, like you just said, like honing in on just moments of this is, I'm going to be okay. Like this is going to be okay. And not letting yourself get bogged down with all the negativity that can surround a divorce. If you are enjoying this episode, check out my interview with Millen Livis, who helps you map your path to financial independence after divorce. I was afraid that I would not be able to support myself. I was not, I, I was not uh, sure that I can have this lifestyle that I want to have if I leave this marriage. And then I realized that I was allowing money to control my life. And that's not right. I should be in control of my money not money should control my life. And now we return to today's show. Something you say in the book that that also stood out for me is that people we need to be kind to ourselves in that process of reinvention. And it, it, it really brought home to me that we're not. We're not particularly kind to ourselves mm -hmm. as we go through that. You know, and we don't always recognize as we're going through it, all those lovely, I call them benchmark moments, right? Those little moments in life that are going to be those things your daughters will let, look back on and say, remember when we used to sit down at the dinner table for dinner on President's mm -hmm. Street, right? But we don't see them or appreciate them when they're happening. So I'm wondering what you tell people or what you advise people about practicing self-kindness during the process of reinvention. It's hard for people to to do that in the moment. And like you just said, like looking back, you can be like, you know, I really I really pulled that off. Like I really did okay, you know, but in the moment you really are like, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Like, ugh. it's so hard in the moment to feel that way. But I think for me it was really like allowing myself just little moments of like like sleeping in, I actually mentioned this in the book, like letting myself sleep in on the weekends I didn't have my kids. It was like, I mean, I just savored that. And it sounds like such a small thing because it's not, you know, I wasn't like sleeping till noon or anything. It was like sleeping until nine. <laughs> that was like amazing. And you feel, just, just feeling like a new person. And sometimes like just staying up late, tinkering around your house when no one's home and you can do that until 1am, you know, it's like just little moments like that, where you can just say, you know what, like, I need to appreciate this. Like this wouldn't have happened in my previous life. And here I am, like I I was learning how to play the guitar and I'd sometimes like stay up late playing my guitar, which I played horribly. It was terrible, but like no one was home to hear me. So it was like okay. all of those little moments of like just letting myself enjoy, enjoy my new life and not feel so, you know, I, I actually have a couple of 
close friends who are going through a divorce and a couple and one in particular is having a really hard time and just everything is like sad for her, you know, still after a few years, it's like, everything is sad. And she just long is longing for her old life. And it's like, it's so hard. And I keep saying like, well, you know, you've got all these new things that you're doing with your daughter now, and you've got these new opportunities and these new moments. And it's hard though. I think when you're there in it, I think it's a lot easier for someone else to to point it out to you. What about, you know, you mentioned in the book and you mentioned actually earlier, I think when we were talking about journaling, do you Mm -hmm. think that helps with this process of reinvention? I've found it it helps me to hone in on those moments and also, you know, have a little gratitude for them. Yes. The gratitude is huge. And that's something that I never did previously, but I started doing, and it was so helpful. Someone was telling me, I can't remember if I read it or someone told me to do this, but even just at the end of the day, finding three things that you're grateful for. And it could be something so simple, like the subway came right on time or, you know, like something simple like There's that. There's a oh, New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't have to wait for 20 minutes, whatever it is. But, you know, or just like, um, you know, I came home and my daughter had drawn me a picture, you know, I mean, just something really simple, but like, those little things add up. (laughs) And, you know, and of course there's like the looming bigger things that are, you know, hard during a divorce. But I think if you can just really, like you just said, like honing in on just moments of feeling like, okay, I'm, this is, I'm going to be okay. Like this is going to be okay. And not letting yourself get bogged down with all the negativity that can surround a divorce. But so I think writing all that down is so helpful. Yeah. Um, just to like see it in writing and, you know, and also for me, it was like, you know, setting goals for myself. And obviously I talk about this, talking about like my future partner and what I wanted that to look like and, and feel like more importantly. Yeah. And it, you know, I did the, the, that gratitude exercise. I have to say at the end of the day, coming up with mine was to find five things. And the thing for me that I found is that as my days went along, I would identify moments in the moment and say, oh, that's going in my gratitude notes later today. And so it did start making me more aware. So I love that idea of sitting down and just in the moment, writing things down or reflecting on your day and reflecting on that process of reinvention. And I'm wondering, how does that then translate? So, you know, to go back to the core of what you help people do, which is to get out there with their with online dating to style their profile how do they work their reinvention into that online dating process yeah i mean well first of all like the the main part that people get excited about honestly when we're working together is the reinvention of of their their style and their look and just getting out there and feeling like you know and it's again it's like something so you know sort of you know, seemingly superficial, but it really can have so much of an impact on how you feel. And I mean, we all know that if you have a great outfit on, you feel amazing, you know? So just really, and and this is not like, you know, going out and buying people a giant new wardrobe necessarily, like, you know, everybody's in a different budget and sometimes it's just a couple of things, but that make a huge difference. And so really it's helping somebody kind of find so a few pieces or a style that really feels good on them. They feel confident, they feel sexy, they feel attractive, whatever those things are that, you know, make them want to get out there again and, you know, and, and taking pictures of them and those, and then, you know, getting them set for like, 
you know, their first state uniform, as I call it, just like thing that you wear every time that just, you know, you're going walking out the door and you know, you feel good and you look good. So like those, those are jeans, right? Yes. Like my jeans <laughs> and um, yeah. And it's like, it's such a huge, it's huge because, you know, going out on those first few first dates, not even just the first few, like, you know, any first date can feel, you know, you're nervous um, no matter what. And to some degree, and if you can eliminate the holy crap, what do I wear? <laughs> part of it, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, as I say, it's like you have a One less pile thing. of clothes, you have a pile of clothes on your floor and you still don't know what you're wearing. And then you're running late. Like that's no good. Nobody wants to feel stressed, any more stressed yeah. <laughs> than, yeah. than they need to be. So that's a huge one for people. Well, and I know we have um, another mutual friend who is an attorney and she was mentioning to me that she's also worked with you on her wardrobe. And one of the things I know mm. you work with your clients, it's not always just even buying new things. It's helping people take what they already have, but they wear exactly the same way every single time and helping them restructure what they use, right? And you do that with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was just working with somebody the other day and where she said, Oh my gosh, I feel like we hadn't even gone shopping yet. This is just the closet at a closet cleanse part. And she already had like four new outfits just from like getting rid of stuff that we, she knew she wouldn't wear anymore. And then putting things together in a new way of the things that she did have. And also just like drawing attention to something that she was like, Oh, I don't know about that. And then I showed her how to wear it differently. And then she was like, Oh my God, this is so great. Like it's those moments. So it's not even like you just said, it's not necessarily going out and shopping for a ton of things. It's sometimes they call it shopping your closet. That's like a, an industry yep. term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shop your so closet. you just got an insider stylist <laughs> from there folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and I, you know, I, told my listeners that you were going to be coming on and I got some listener questions. So um, I wondered if I can just throw a couple of those at you. Um, I told them, you know, they could ask their online dating questions. So um, would you mind answering just no, a few online dating questions? Okay. I love, I love a Q&A. <laughs> That's, we're, we're, and I have one of my own um, and it's for that friend I mentioned earlier, but okay, we'll start with great. some of my listener questions. This person has been out there on online dating mm -hmm. and is very frustrated. And they said, how do you know that someone is actually interested in you from a dating app? It seems so fake and superficial. Well, I mean, and that's, that's sort of the, <laughs> the million dollar question, really. It's like how, you know, so many people are messaging with so many people and it's like, which one, which one's going to be real, which one is actually going to turn into something where, or even just an in-person date, never mind anything else, but right. it's hard. And I think you have to just, you know, keep, keep the messaging going with people and you don't know necessarily which one is going to turn into anything. And the one that you think seems amazing. Um, I've had, I had times when I was like having this great messaging conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden they're went off the app <laughs> I never saw them again Ghost, you know right. after yeah and after a while you just realize like oh okay like this is just how it is you know and you have to just accept the bad with the good and just that that's sort of the way and not get too attached to something um and that's you know something that is really challenging for a lot of people where you message with somebody for a while and you get attached to this idea of somebody 
Um, and it can happen in this way too, where then you actually meet in person and they're nothing like you thought they were going to be. I mean, I was like, I've had situations where like the person was completely different than I thought. Um, so just also not getting attached to some idea of somebody before you actually meet in person. And then just trying to get that messaging into an actual date as soon as possible. You know, if there's any kind of rapport in any way, just getting to the, you know, the asking out part. ASAP, you know, as soon as you can and just meeting for a coffee, you know, and it can be something as simple as that. So, and also people are even more since the pandemic, people are a lot more open to doing an initial meeting on over zoom or FaceTime or something. So that's another way to kind of vet people or, or kind of weed through some people and, you know, do a 10 minute FaceTime call and then like, oh, okay, I don't think I need to meet that person in real life, but yeah. that was fine. <laughs> but that, and that's a good point. I, and this has, this isn't one of the questions, but I have a, one of our other guests who's been on the show, his name's Daniel Harold. He's become something of a dating expert as a post dating divorced dad. Um, he's part, he started a group called divorced after 40 uber handsome guy, everybody, ladies, you know, I know if you really you're talking about, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and wonderful guy, just lovely guy. He he's been on the show finding your community after divorce, but he is very, very handsome and men are constantly stealing his profile pictures and posting his pictures on their profiles on dating apps. I swear to God, it happens at least once or twice a week. And wow. you know, one, I've, how do they think you're not going to find out when you do the Zoom call or they walk into Starbucks and they don't look like Daniel? I know, I know. And that's way too common. I, I didn't realize that it happened to people like that, like in particular, like they're stealing them from the actual dating app. I just know that it happens where somebody has all these fake pictures from somebody they Googled online and create a fake name and, and this whole thing. And that's usually it's to scam somebody, but I guess it's also just to get somebody to talk to you. I don't know. I Cause obviously that's not going to, it is very sad. It's very sad. Oh God. That's crazy. Isn't well, a huge, a huge like, compliment to him, though. I yes, guess. that's what I told him. At least you're, at least you look good enough that people want to follow or want to copy you or, or meet you. And I guess that goes to the next question that a listener had. I hate taking pictures, is what she said. But mm -hmm. they're obviously so important in these dating apps. I mean, I think probably they're at the one or one or two most most important things. Mm -hmm. So what are your top tips for taking some good profile pictures? Okay, well, first, I just want to say, I want to tell this person, everybody feels that way, uh, especially if you're, you know, getting into this whole thing as a, you know, 40 and over person who didn't grow up taking selfies, didn't grow up like every outing, everyone's taking a million photos every, you know, we just didn't grow up that way. It's not part of our our everyday way. And, you know, even coming for me, coming from a photography and fashion background, I never had my own picture taken. I mean, never. So when I was starting online dating, I was like everybody else who had only photos of myself and my kids or myself and my ex-husband, you know, there was no photos of just me. And that's super common. I mean, most people don't have any photos of themselves um, on their own. I mean, the, the key things other than, you know, you know, I do recommend people if they can and are able to, if you don't have a family member or friend that's really good at taking, um, you know, iPhone photos or something, 
finding a, not just a photographer, but a photographer who does profiles because it is a different thing. It's like, you're not looking like you don't want it to be a headshot for, you know, your, um, you know, you're going out for yeah, exactly your business profile or your, you know, headshot for an, a, an acting situation, which a lot of people try to do that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, like the, the fists <laughs> or this one, the hands on the hips. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't want that. You don't want it to feel forced. You want it to feel natural, you know, no studio looking photos. You want it to feel like you're out and about with a friend and they just snapped a photo of you having a coffee, you know, that kind of thing, you know, but however, if you are lucky enough to have somebody that, you know, um, just keeping in mind, like daylight is always best. It's always good to have some movement. Like that sort of like gets you feeling a little less stiff. So like walking down the street and having your friend take a photo of you kind of walking as naturally as you can. Um, I know it's all awkward and just honestly, just remembering that, I say this in my book, like the first like 500 photos I took of myself were probably, you know, completely unusable <laughs> and you just have to practice. Like you really do. You just have to practice. And that's the beauty of digital cameras and, and phones now is that you can just keep doing it again and again until you start to feel more comfortable. And eventually you do actually, you know, I've actually seen it happen with clients too. And remembering when you are out with your friends for dinner, say, Hey, you know, I have a nice shirt on and I've got some makeup on. Can you take some pictures of me? And, you know, generally your friends are happy to help you. Like I, I always felt weird about that with all my married friends. Like, can you take a picture of me for my data profile? <laughs> you know, but they want to help you. You know, they're all excited for you. So um, just keeping that in mind that, you know, not to be, not to feel shy about asking. That's actually such a great segue into the question that I have for my friend. It's perfect because her question, and, and it was actually, so there were five women, we're all out at dinner. We're talking obviously about her divorce and how that's going along and everything. And she's talking about dating. And she said, you know, I'm embarrassed about going online to go dating. I feel embarrassed to let, I'm afraid my colleagues are going to see it. I'm afraid people, my neighbors, um, I, you know, you're all married. I feel, you know, how do you put it out there to people that you're doing this? Um, and, and what do you tell your clients? Well, first of all, everybody, everybody, everybody is online dating now. So it really, even just from five years ago, it's so different, honestly, like really, I mean, I have clients in, up until they're into their eighties, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody. So that's something to keep in mind. And I think it's also hard when, when all your friends are married and you are the, one of the only people that's single, I also recommend just trying to find other people that maybe are in her age group that are do that are online dating that she can kind of share the experiences with, or, you know, just kind of ask questions to, or, you know, somehow connect with other people that are doing it. Cause I feel like once you feel like you're not the only one and you feel like your experiences are validated, it's so much more like you feel so much more free to talk about it and, and share it with people. And I think that that is a real, it's funny. I actually, there was a question similar to that in, in my book where it's like, I have these ask Alyssa um, things that at the end of each chapter. And that was similar to one where it was like, I, you know, I'm not sure how to tell my friends and think of the friend that's going to be the most supportive and tell that person first. And they're going to, I guarantee you, they're going to be so excited for you that they're going to like pump you up and make you feel like, okay, this is all going to be okay. And then you'll start to feel more comfortable telling other people. So 
it's sort of an old-fashioned view that like online dating is like, it, really, it's like so many people now do it that it's not what it used to be. Well, I think actually it's it's a... It's it's in our heads yes. that it's we're the only person out there. I, I'm not out, but I think yeah. when yeah. when someone's saying that they think they're the only one. I think if you take a moment and pause and and look around, you're actually be surprised at just how many of the people yeah. you know are out there. And I think you're a hundred percent right because I have to tell you that evening turned into all of us looking at dating apps, all of us looking at pictures of her and helping pick out which ones, oh, good. taking pictures. Yes, yeah, so, right. I mean, doing everything that you were just talking about, and it ended in such a hopeful and exciting. Yeah. type of you yeah. know atmosphere. So you know, we're all excited for her to right. reinvent and to to start out this new year in a happy way. Yeah, that's I mean and also I think sometimes it just takes somebody like you just said like helping her literally like look at the apps together, choose some photos and that's how it happened with me for the first time I sat with a friend and she took my phone and was like this photo this photo this photo blah, blah, blah. Put this, put this age range. Da, da, da. Here you go. <laughs> and she was like, it was done. And I was like, Oh my God. And it was like, you think of it as being this like monumental thing. And it's really like, you know, put a few pictures up just to get yourself started. You know, eventually you'll want to have like all six photos and you know, the whole thing, but just to get yourself started. And I did it then for another friend, like a year later, she got separated and I was like, give me your phone. <laughs> I like did the same thing. And I was like, here. And she was like, and it's fun. Like she sat there with me and she was like, oh my God, I just matched with somebody. Oh my God. He just messaged me. Oh my God. (laughs) All those first moments, you know, and it actually is kind of exciting. You know, and maybe that's part of the reinvention instead of being afraid or overwhelmed or feeling awkward, maybe just be open-minded. So one of the things I want to say to everyone out there is, you know, if they're facing that, if they're looking to reinvent, the book is an absolutely amazing resource. You are an amazing resource. So thank you. Tell people how to get the book and how to reach out to you. Yeah. So they can go to stylemyprofilenyc.com and there's a link to purchase the book there at any, you know, any of the major booksellers. And then there's also information about how to work with me in a group setting or a one-on-one or any of the above. So any webinars that I've put out there too. So there's lots of different ways to. to Well, and you work with people all over. You're in New York city, but you work with people all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Europe, Australia, all through the, the U S yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she can look at your closet through your phone, folks. It's true. So. <laughs> yeah. Zoom is amazing. <laughs> thank God yeah. for Zoom. Well, thank you so much. You always have such wonderful advice. And I know, you know, this is really, I hope, going to help everyone, whether you're going through divorce or just looking to go into the new year as we emerge from COVID, as we emerge from all that we've been through, all the mm-hmm. trauma in the world, just go into the new year with a little reinvention, some hope and some excitement. So thank you, Alyssa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.